Welcome to the podcast of Koinonia Okotoks Youth. Thank you for joining us as we study the word. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? You guys awake? No? Wow, that was quiet. Wow. Guess you're not excited. Okay. So uh, if you guys have your Bibles, you guys can turn to Galatians. We're going to take a quick break from uh, Mark this week. Uh, so, yeah, turn to Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And if you need a Bible, uh, we have some at the back. Kevin, c- if you raise your hand, Kevin can get you one. So, yeah, that's good. So, um, if you guys are taking notes, I've entitled this message, Do Not Be Swayed. Uh, let's pray, and then we will uh, dive on in. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. Uh, I thank you for some nice weather finally and uh, Lord I just pray for this message this morning uh, for your word Lord that it'll uh, uh, you'll give us uh, ears ready to hear what you have to speak to us Lord we love you and uh, we thank you we pray this all in your name amen so Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 says Paul an apostle not from men nor through men but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So right off the bat here, we see Paul is stating his authority. I know that's kind of simple. He does it in pretty much every letter he does except for Philemon. Uh, He states his authority. But here he does a little more than just say he is an apostle. He states that it is not from men, nor is it through men, right, but it's through Jesus Christ and God the Father. The emphasis here is that, uh, is that we understand that Paul is speaking with apostolic authority because what he has to say here is of the utmost importance. Right? Paul, he was not called by man, nor was this authority given to him by man. It originates with God. Right? It's an interesting thing that Paul continually has to justify and explain his apostleship (laughs) Uh, because you don't see Peter having to do that. Uh, But every single time Paul opens a letter, he says, an apostle by the will of God or here, not through man. Right. Without going into great detail, we we know Paul, he wasn't a part of Jesus's earthly ministry. And he didn't have the most common conversion or call to apostleship. So a lot of people in this day were skeptical of Paul. So Paul simply wants to start by stating that his apostleship is from God. Right? We also see that there are some people with him. Now, we don't actually have a list like most of the letters he has at the end. He goes through like greetings with a list of people or he'll list off a couple people at the beginning. We don't have a list of who is with him. All we see is it says, and all the brethren who are with me. This is Paul likely just sending greetings uh, from the brethren who are, they're not having, saying that they're helping him write this letter. Because as we go through this letter, because I'll be, every time I'll be teaching, I'll be going through the book of Galatians. Paul will use a lot of I statements, like I am amazed, I marvel kind of statements, uh, which cancels out that idea that this is a team effort, (laughs) 
because you know there's no I in team. So uh, this letter, it, the third thing that we see in these first two verses is that it's to the churches of Galatia. So this this book, this letter, it wasn't written to a single city or a single church. You know, as the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians is to the church of Ephesus, Thessalonians, Thessalonica, Colossians, Colossi, right? This is to a region rather than a city. Now, the region of Galatia, it's kind of split up into two. There's the northern region, the southern region, and Paul, he visited both, but he visited the southern region in his first missionary journey, northern in his second and third so we don't actually know whether he's writing to the entire region of Galatia, which is my personal opinion, uh, entire region, or the northern, southern. It doesn't really add that much to know which one he's writing to. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I love how uh, one Bible commentator put it. His name is Leon Morris. He says, it is clear that Paul intended his words to have a wide circulation into in the region of Galatia. The letter would be taken to each center and read there, or several copies would be made and one taken to each church. So this message that is throughout this letter, that, you know, there's the gospel of grace, that's what, we're that's what we follow, is of the utmost importance, and it's to be spread to the entire region, and it will be spread to the entire region. Right, now looking, moving to uh, verses 3 through 5, it says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he says grace and peace. It's the familiar greeting of Paul. Each apostle kind of has his own greeting. This is Paul, right? So Paul goes on to expand, saying that it's, from God, and then explaining how. Paul states that the gospel message, uh, states the gospel message that Jesus died. You know, we just came through that Easter season. We just took part in communion, both remembering what Jesus did. So he states the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins and that we might be delivered from the evil age in which we live. Right, earlier Paul stated that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now he's setting our foundation. Because as we get into this, uh, into this passage, it'll have the heavy importance on the gospel. So he's setting, us, setting our foundation that there's only one gospel. What is that true gospel? Then we can go into the other ones, right? Jesus died. Right. He also what he states in verse four. It also sounds a lot like a, a familiar verse. That I believe all of you should know John three sixteen. Right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever that whoever so oh, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. I know I should have that memorized. Right. That was. Was rough. So, uh, the last thing I want to touch on in these verses, before getting into the meat of the passage, is that Paul gives God the glory. Right. As we will be moving forward, we're going to be introduced to like the opinions of 
Judaizers, of legalists who believe that you have to follow a certain set of laws, right? And they're bringing forth their own gospel for their own glory. They're, they're bringing forth gospels, quotes, gospels, to puff themselves up, to get some sort of gain from it. But Paul, he wants to once again bring it back to God. This is all for his glory, and he alone deserves the glory, not for us, right? So now, now that we have that foundation, right, that Jesus died, that's the gospel, God, he deserves the glory. We also know who Paul is. Um, We move to verse 6, which says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So Paul's amazed. (laughs) He's amazed over the fact that these believers are departing from the gospel of Christ. He's amazed that they're departing from the gospel of grace. They're turning so soon. in, in, In the gospel of grace, we have liberty. We have freedom in Christ. And they're, they're dropping that for some other gospel. Right? One of the key phrases I see there is so soon. Right? Now, depending on whether this is to the northern Galatians, southern Galatians, all of Galatia, this letter very likely could have been written in 48 AD, which would mean this is right after Paul's first missionary journey. So the phrase, so soon, likely could have meant a couple years after having heard, after having turned towards Christ. They're now turning away. Two years. It's not, it's not a lot of time. Right? So Paul's amazed how quickly they are turning away from this person who called them out of the law to grace, and they're turning to the law. Right? It's not solely that they're turning away, but they're turning towards twisted, perverted, false gospels. Right? Did, did you know like this society is prone to do that? I know that's an overarching statement. This society is prone to do that. You have so many world religions. I don't have to go into all like world religions, how you know they have to do something to earn their salvation, their faith, their e- eternal life, whatever they believe. Right? They have to work to do it. Then you got the ones that are closer to Christianity. They believe in Jesus. You got like the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, who and the, the Catholics, those three, they are similar. They're so similar that it's like, oh, well, they believe in Jesus. But there's there's slight things that are twisted about them. You got the prosperity gospel. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you guys know what the prosperity gospel is. Prosperity gospel teaches that if we just give to the church, if we just give all that we have, we will prosper. I don't know if that, does that sound like it lines up with the Bible at all? I don't think it does. You got the progressive Christianity out there, which is not Christianity. It's not. They basically try to make the Bible fit into the changing culture. They read into the Bible. They've got all the political topics, and they're like, oh, well, this is the top political topic in the world right now, so what does the Bible have to say about it, going in with that thought? 
and they insert it where it shouldn't be inserted. They take it out of context. And then there's uh, there's one more which isn't really like you're going to find like a church for it. It's kind of like something we all fall into, and it's cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity says, my parents went to church, so I go to church. Oh, that's just what the culture does, so I'm going to do it. If I just go to church on Sundays, if I tithe, if I do this, 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 follow all these unwritten rules, I'll be saved. Right? That's legalism. That's not, that's not Christianity. That's following laws. We're under grace. Right? False, false gospels tell us there is more to do. Does that line up with, a f- that doesn't line up with the Bible. You can look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So false gospels tell us there's more to do. The gospel tells us there's nothing more to do. Paul goes on in verse 7 to say, which is not another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul says there's no other gospel, just perversions of the gospel. How many of you guys know what a coexist bumper sticker is? Have you guys seen coexist bumper stickers? I can see hands if you participation. Yeah, no? Okay. Well, coexist bumper stickers, they kind of have like, they're like a black sticker and they have all the different world religions on it spelling out coexist. Uh, And they're basically saying is, I have my gospel, I have my way to heaven, to eternal life, to peace after life, or whatever, my afterlife. You have yours. Let's just live in peace. Like, we all are right. There's a hundred ways to heaven. But Jesus says in John 14, 6, Jesus said uh, to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in Acts 4, 12, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other, right? We don't believe that we're to coexist. I have a sticker on my laptop, uh, one of the teacher that when I went to Bible college was giving them out and it says contradict and it's basically exact same format all the world religions contradict they all contradict right did you guys know that out of all the world religions and even those that are under Christianity like Mormonism Jehovah's Witnesses right that Christianity like the gospel of grace is the only one where it's a free gift where you don't actually have to work to get your salvation. You just have to, you know, believe in Christ, accept, and, like, follow after him. Right? You don't have to do a certain bunch, like, a certain amount of laws, climb up the ladder of salvation. Right? It's a free gift. Every other religion tells you uh, you must follow this. You must be as good as you possibly can be. Right? If you follow this certain set of rules or laws, you're going to be saved at the end of the day. That's legalism. Once again, like gospel, legalism, very different things. Very different. Right? So a question comes up, why do we, f- why do we constantly in a society turn to false gospels? Everybody's prone to it. It's not just 
the world, like even within the church, people fall to false gospels. The answer is because it's against our human nature <laughs> to, th- to think that we, like it's, it's not in our human nature to have like a free gift. Like we always, in our human nature, we feel like we have to work. We feel like we have to do something to get it. Right, we have to, if we do certain things like, oh, I can achieve it if I'm just as good as I possibly can be. Like, you know, nobody's good, no, not one. So it's like, if I can just be as good as possible, I'll, I will I will be saved. That's not how it works. One one commentator described how it goes against our nature in uh, three, way, three ways, saying this. The gospel offends our pride. It tells us we need a savior and that we cannot save ourselves. It gives no credit to us at all for our salvation. It is all the work of Jesus for us. Second, the gospel offends our wisdom. It saves us by something many consider foolish. God becoming man and dying a humiliating, disgraceful death on our behalf. And third, the gospel offends our knowledge. It tells us to believe something that goes against scientific knowledge and personal experience that a dead man, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead in a glorious new body that would never die again. We try to make the gospel make more sense to our temporal situation. To these temporal, this temporal world, we try to make it make more sense. And in doing so, we pervert it. We twist it. It's no longer the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of grace. We do nothing to earn it. There's nothing we can do <laughs> to earn it. Right, and as we move on to the next couple verses, we will see what awaits those who twist, perverse, pervert, and give out this false gospel. It says in verses 8 through 9, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone preaches to you any other go- uh, preaches any other gospel to you than what we have re- you have received, let him be accursed. It doesn't matter who's teaching this false gospel. Right? It doesn't matter who's teaching this twisted, perverted gospel. Paul says, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, they're to be accursed. Paul's warning us to be attentive. Attentive of those who are teaching. Right? If I teach or if my dad teaches, are we teaching his word? Are you guys actually checking? Is it a f- Are you guys fact-checking? Are you guys reading the Bible that's in front of you in context? And like, oh, well, that doesn't line up. Right? We're to compare to the Bible. You know, do you guys know how uh, money, like the fraudulent, like fra- uh, money frauders or whatever they're called? Counterfeits. There we go. That's the word. You know how they learn how to tell if something's fraud or not? They don't study the false gospel or the false bills. They don't study all of these assorted false bills. They study the real thing. Because if they know the real thing, they're going to know what the false thing is. It's the same thing in our lives. If we can study the real gospel and we know what the real gospel is, you can tell a fake. 
You can spot it from a mile away. Right? Paul says he doesn't care if it's him teaching, even if it's him teaching or an angel from heaven teaching. Let them be accursed. Reject it. That's not God's word. Right, which is funny because like that's literally the Mor- Mormons is like an angel came to jo- Joseph Smith and like gave him a different gospel. Right there, <laughs> read the Bible. Um, God's word is God's word. Simple. Who are we to change it? We're not God. Right now, I've already briefly pointed out some prominent false gospels out there within the Christian, under the cr- scope of Christianity. Right. Mormonism, JWs, prosperity, progressive, cultural. Now, if you were to watch a few services from these types of churches, you'll see that they are, like, enthralled with the pastor. They're just sitting there. It's like everything he says is God's word. They're just, like, hooting and hollering, like, yeah, praise the Lord. My, now, you won't see a ton of times is that the pastor will read the Bible you won't see that. They'll quote it off the top of their head, and most times it's, like, misquoted or taken out of context. And if you looked at the audience, most of them aren't even reading the Bible that they have open in front of them, right? Like, they're not fact-checking. They're just like, what he's saying is good. Oh, if I just give my money, I'm going to prosper. <laughs> I'm going to get it back sevenfold. It's going to be great. <laughs> like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to buy a yacht, <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> Right, so you look at these types of churches and you watch them. If you know what the real gospel is, you'll know what they're teaching is wrong. You'll be able to reject it. But you need to know what the real gospel is. John Stott put it very well. He said, we are not to be dazzled, as many people are, by the persons, the gifts, or office of the teachers in the church. They may come to us with great dignity, authority, and scholarship, they may be bishops, archbishops, university professors, professors, or even the Pope himself. But if they bring a gospel other than the gospel preached by the apostles and recorded in the New Testament, they are to be rejected. We judge them by the gospel. We don't judge the gospel by them. As Dr. Alan Cole expresses it, the outward person of the messenger does not validate his message. Rather, the nature of the message validates the messenger. We're to reject it if it doesn't line up. Doesn't matter if the person is a gifted speaker, if he's an angel from heaven. <laughs> reject it if it doesn't line up. Fact checked. Fact check. The second thing Paul says is let them be accursed. Now the the word accursed in in the Greek is anathema, which means a thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed, and if it is an animal, to be slain. Therefore, a person or thing doomed to destruction. Paul is saying that those who teach these false, perverted, twisted gospels are doomed to destruction. Those who teach the Bible were held to a different standard. Right, James 3, 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that, that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Right, just thinking about uh, 
those who teach a different gospel being accursed or being doomed to destruction reminds me of something Jesus said in Mark 9:42. but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Right? There, there are words that I'm reminded of that my dad has said to me many times, my grandfather has said to me many times, if you can do anything else, do it. Right? Teaching the gospel, teaching the Bible, you're held to a, to a much different standard than everybody else. Right? If I cause a little one to stumble, it's better to be thro- have a millstone and thrown into the sea. Right? There are so many false teachers out there and uh, who knows if I don't know if there's an actual number who <laughs> if they outweigh the good teachers the false and good teachers right and they but they all claim to be Christian Paul he doesn't think that it's enough just to say don't listen to them no these people are causing God's people God's children to turn from him and that brings God's wrath <laughs> He's causing them to stumble, to fall back into the legalism that they were taken out of. We don't have to do such and such to be saved. We're saved by grace. And they, they're, hit, they're to be accursed. They're to be doomed to destruction. Paul, he goes on to emphasize the point that he just made by repeating himself. Because it's important. There are believers in these churches that teach the false gospel who are going down with the ship because they think the ship they're on is a rescue ship. (laughs) They think they're on the one that's saving people. Yet Paul is coming alongside in the rescue ship saying, you're wrong. (laughs) You're in the wrong one. Come come back. Come back to the right one. He's looking to save the believers. He's not condemning them. He's pointing out where they're wrong. And lastly, this morning, looking at verse 10, it says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please man? For if, I s- if I've still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And now a lot of people back in this time saw Paul as a man pleaser. Because even Paul himself says uh, he was all things to all men. Right? Like when he was with the Jews, he was a Jew. When he was with the Gentiles, he was a Gentile. Or like a Gentile, like a Jew. Right? Like whatever. He acted the way they'd acted. Now there's the idea that Paul was not somebody to be trusted. Because he was pleasing man. We don't see that here. That's not how he's painted here. Right? He says, do I persuade man or do I persuade God? Do I please man? If he did, he wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. Paul's first obligation, first and foremost, was to God, not man. He didn't shape his message, his lessons, these letters, to please man. He didn't fit it into the changing culture. His first obligation was to God. 
He didn't change it to whoever he was talking to. Paul was more concerned about pleasing his creator. And he ends saying he wouldn't be a bondservant if he pleased man. Paul knew his life was not his own. His life belonged to God. So you can take what he's saying to heart there. Like it's what he's saying isn't to please man. Because I don't know if you guys know this. If you were to go onto the street corner and start telling somebody the gospel, how often are you going to get a kind response? Not like here in North America, not, not, not a ton. People are so kind of like aggressive to us. It's getting more so. Right? Paul knew that. And how many times did Paul almost get like killed or did get killed, stoned? All, like <laughs> he knew that he was taking risks. And this life is not that we chose. This gospel that we are in is this gospel of grace is not like a easy, prospering life. <laughs> you're not going to get everything you need or everything you want in life. Like you get everything you need. In closing, what we've seen this morning is that Paul had a message that was of the utmost importance to the churches of Galatia who were turning from God. Right? His message was don't turn from the only gospel. Right? We live in a world that is like a buffet. You can literally pick and choose and find anybody who's going to agree with you. Anybody. There's got to be somebody out there who will agree with some weird thoughts that we have. Right? But the gospel's the gospel. There's no other. Right? And we're warned that there is only one. Right? Don't turn from it. Don't and if you're teaching, don't teach a different one. Right? We as believers, we need to be attentive, we need to be watchful. The devil, he oftentimes uses half truths. And especially when it comes to to the gospel, there is always a grain of truth <laughs> within his lies. Right? But it's still a lie. Just because it's got just because it's partially true doesn't make it true. It's still a lie. There is no other gospel. So I encourage you guys to not just listen to me when I teach or listen to my dad when he teaches. To take notes, to fact check. Fact check. Right, if we're saying something that's not right, check. Bring it up. Right? We need to be rooted in his word. So that when when the false, perverted, twisted thing come, we're able to discern discern what is true and what is false. Right? Just like it says hiding his word in his in our hearts. Right? We, are we memorizing him? Are we learning from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word and this this message this morning. Lord, it is very important for the world that in which we live. Lord, I just pray that as we go today that we'll take it to heart, Lord, that we will be attentive and watchful in this world because you're, the enemy is just is prowling. Lord, Help us live for you in this dark, dark time. Help us to be those lights, Lord. I pray this all in your name. Amen.
Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or concerns, we would love to get your feedback. You can message us on our Instagram or our Facebook page.